0: Hello everyone, I'm Blake Farha.
1: And I'm Jazmire.
0: And this is See You in Sleep County, a podcast where we tell bedtime stories written for adults. And these stories are so very special because they come straight from the journals of the one and only Jasmire and are written in a way to be soft, somnolent tales to help whisk you off into that wonderful realm we like to call Sleep County. See You in Sleep County is a part of the Bear Radio Network. Bear Radio is Berlin's English-speaking podcasting network. And no matter what kind of podcasts you love, you're sure to find a podcast you can really enjoy at bearradio.org.
1: If you'd like to keep this little podcast going, you can always become a patron of ours at patreon.com slash see sleep county. And this helps us to put all the time and energy and love into this podcast that we would like to and that we think it deserves. And by becoming a patron, you can also receive a bunch of different rewards as a little thank you from us for helping support this podcast.
0: Jazz, a friend of mine recently shared a parable with me that I found really interesting, and it's really been um, sort of present in my mind lately, and I wanted to share it with you and with all of the listeners in Sleep County. So I wanted to ask you if you'd be okay. I know that I always tell stories on this podcast, but I wonder if you'd be okay with me telling a quick one uh, before we actually get to tonight's story.
1: Yes, please, absolutely.
0: Okay, so... This is a parable that was shared to me by a friend of mine named Will, and uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what everyone thinks about it. Apparently Will's, Will's mother is the one who shared with him this parable, and he says it's really helped him in a lot of ways to kind of contextualize and um, to put things into perspective in terms of like work and play. So the story goes as follows. There is a lumberjack and every day he goes to the forest to do his job. He gets there at exactly eight o'clock on the dot. He's never late, and as soon as he arrives, he begins chopping, 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 and he doesn't stop until it's lunchtime. He takes a very brief lunch, a Spartan meal, just quick enough to refill his calorie needs, and then he gets back to chopping, and he chops and chops and chops and chops until 6 p.m., and then he goes home, sleeps briefly, Gets home, uh, wakes up, and then he gets home, sleeps, wakes up, and repeats it all again the next day. Simultaneously, there is a co-worker of his, a fellow lumberjack, who also comes to the forest every day. He arrives, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock, gets there, you know, right about when he feels it's time to start working. He does his job, he chops and chops, he has a nice leisurely lunch where he takes his time, he enjoys his meal, He has a moment to stretch and digest afterward, and then he gets back to chopping, and will maybe chop for another few hours in the afternoon, and always checks out around 5 o'clock, 4.30, depending on how he feels, heads home, enjoys his life, and then comes back and does it again the next day. Now, lumberjack number one is perplexed because he's noticing that lumberjack number two is constantly out-chopping him. He's constantly chopping more wood. He's constantly chopping down more trees and creating more lumberjack goods. And so he asks Lumberjack 2, he says, how is it possible? I come here every day, I'm earlier than you, I'm chopping with just as much as I possibly can, and I take a shorter lunch, I stay longer, I put everything into this, and yet every single day you out-chop me. How is it possible? And Lumberjack 2 says to him, well, Because when I go home after a long day of chopping, I go home and I sharpen my axe. And that's the parable, that's the story. And I'm curious to see what it means to you and what you take away from a jazz.
1: Hmm. Oh, I like this. Um, I suppose it means that, or to me it means that the things surrounding the work that you do, the way that you take care of yourself, the way that you prepare, the way that you envision what you're going to do and plan for it is just as much, if not more important than the work itself.
0: Yeah, precisely. And my friend explained it as, you know, he likes to think of it as sharpening the axe is a metaphor for all the things that we do that bring us calm that bring us contentment that bring us peace that bring us joy so you know he was saying to me that he has a lot of trouble uh, stopping working you know pre- like just stopping working he's an entrepreneur and a business person and an engineer and so he said you know we were discussing this and he was saying I have so much trouble you know stopping myself from working 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 I'm lumberjack number one and he said but I've, I've since learned that when I go home and I sharpen my axe then I come to the work with a greater sense of well-being, a greater sense of peace, and I'm able to work more efficiently and more effectively and make better decisions than I would if I didn't go home and sharpen my axe. And yeah, I just found it to be really inspiring and, and I, I'm definitely more the lumberjack number one where I spend no time you know, outside of the thing that I'm working on. It's, it's constant work, 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 work. and. I think it makes me a much less efficient person and it makes me enjoy the work a lot less. And so recently I've been trying to incorporate a lot more axe sharpening into my life and even like building it into my schedule where I write, you know, sharpen my axe mm-hmm. and trying to enjoy activities that are totally unrelated to being productive, to being creative, to being anything, just something that's purely for joy and for the sharpening of, of my axe and i wonder if you have any activities that you would think are like are like you sharpening your axe
1: yeah i think i mean the more i i mean i'm putting a lot of my energy into working with um with silver at the moment and the more i focus on that like the more i understand that actually um, working on my creativity is maybe the most important part of that process and it's not about mm. Necessarily the production itself, that's kind of the last step. That's the last thing. What's Mm -hmm. most important is dreaming, imagining, playing. And I think, with any creative pursuit, or maybe with any pursuit at all, I think imagination is such an important part of that. And it's not something you can force, it's not something you can, Mm -hmm. you know, um, be productive with, so to speak. It's Mm -hmm. something that has to happen in. In moments of rest or in moments of of peace, of play. So yeah, I've been doing a lot of that, a lot of drawing, a lot of totally unrelated, um, seemingly unrelated things. Like um, (laughs) recently I've been taking time to collect all of my paper scraps and tear them up into tiny little pieces to make recycled paper which has nothing to do with silversmithing, but it's meditative and it's creative in some way. Like I'm mm. doing something with my hands um, and that feels good. So I think, yeah, finding those little things that are not necessarily directly related to the, the thing itself, but earn the same skills, yeah.
0: Mm. Wow, that's really nice. Making your own recycled paper. Oh, jazz. somehow <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh, one day you'll have <laughs> to give us the recipe.
1: For sure, paper, water meditation that's pretty much it <laughs> right.
0: and and where do writing these stories for see you in sleep county where do they fall in is this work is this sharpening your axe is it a little bit of both
1: hmm. i would say the reading reading my journals back is the sharpening of the see mm. you in sleep county axe. um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a nice way to reconnect with old memories and it doesn't feel like work it feels like yeah like play like mm. yeah walking through the, the long hallways of my mind, let's say.
0: And what long hallways of your mind did you peruse and walk through for the story this evening, Jazz?
1: So as I keep revisiting, uh, the summer of 2015 was a very magical time. And, yeah, quite a few of our stories have come from that summer. Uh, and tonight's mm-hmm. is no different. It's um, a really lovely, peaceful story about spending a day in the park, A warm summer's day with my friend Sydney, who featured in uh, Gods in Human Form, one of our former stories. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we just spent a very lovely afternoon picking nettles and eating strawberries and dancing in the forest. So I'll let you tell that story. It's called Serenading the Nettles.
0: Serenading the Nettles. I can't wait to read it. I'm sure I'll see so many pictures of you in my head just having a, a... a hippie dance with sydney the beautiful and wonderful sydney uh, and it'll be uh, it's going to warm my heart i'm already excited about it
1: i'm excited to hear you read it um, so i'll hand it over to you blake to do just that so to those of you listening at home i hope you enjoy tonight's story i'm jazz my sweet dreams sleep well and i'll see you in sleep county
0: thanks very much jazz As we prepare for tonight's story, gently close your eyes and snuggle into bed. Allow yourself to find the position that feels just right. And when you've found that perfect spot nestled among the covers, take a nice, slow, deep breath letting the worries of the day drift away as you exhale. Imagine the air falling into your belly and chest as you breathe in effortlessly. And as you breathe out, imagine the breath falling out of you again. Take a moment to feel the bed beneath you, gently supporting your body. Release any tension you might be feeling, starting with the muscles in your face. One by one, allow them to go slack. Let the muscles in your arms, shoulders, and chest relax. Move your attention to your belly, your lower back, and let them sink into the mattress. Release any tightness in your thighs, your knees, your calves, and your feet. And enjoy for a moment the feeling of total relaxation, your body totally at ease. And now, for tonight's story, Serenading the Nettles, by Jazz Meyer. The vivid green grass was speckled with the most delicate little daisies, lawn daisies they were called, their tiny white petals splaying out in a bright array around a central yellow sun. This was one of my favorite details of summer, one that I'd never encountered back in Australia but seemed ubiquitous in Central Europe, and indeed, every park in Berlin was scattered with them for the duration of those long, warm days that never seemed to end. Around me, a symphony of birdsong and laughter rang out, dodging between the enormous maples and oaks, skimming across the surface of the pond bouncing off the stone sculptures that dotted the paths of Volkspark Friedrichshain, and coming to land there on the little patch of lawn upon which I waited for Sydney to arrive. There was a mixture of nervousness and excitement stirring up within me. The anticipation of meeting a new friend on unknown territory while our connection had flowed easily during the days of festival frivolities amongst which we had first met. Meeting for the first time in the real world carried with it some questions, and I wondered if it would be different now, if our friendship would be relegated only to the bubble of festaum. Before I could ponder further, however, I spied Sydney approaching, And in an instant, all my doubts were dispelled. That same wide grin that had so recently become familiar was spread across his face, and it seemed his festival garb and everyday attire were one and the same. Across his back was slung a small stringed instrument, and in one hand he carried a leaky punnet of strawberries while the other wheeled a bike alongside. I stood to greet him, a matching grin now spreading across my own face, and we embraced easily the scent of fruit and earth emanating from him. Amongst the daisies we sat, a moment of awkwardness lingering before Sidney offered up the strawberries and we fell into an easy rhythm. Between bites of soft, sweet fruit, we chatted and learned each other's stories. There's this girl, he said, and divulged a romance mingled with friendship that seemed, in that moment, in need of untangling. I offered my own stories in turn, of liberation and love, of relationships crossing over one another, and all the navigation that comes with the deep dive into non-monogamy. It was as though we'd entered into a pact of some kind, the kind of intimacy that comes from sharing bare human truths. And as we finished the strawberries, our friendship emerged more solidly than when we had started. After a few more moments in the sun, Sidney announced his desire for some movement and thus began our stroll through the park. With our bikes by our sides, we strolled past the pond and into the shadier paths that wound their way toward the depths of the folks' park. As the sound of voices died away, Our surroundings became ever more populated by towering trees, their broad canopies casting a soft green glow upon us as we ambled onward. As we walked, we chatted idly, and it was in this way that we continued on aimlessly, simply enjoying the peaceful, forested walk and each other's company. When we emerged at the crest of a slope, we found that we had stumbled upon a clearing, the edge of which was thick with giant nettles. Their long, broad leaves waved gently in the breeze, toothed leaf edges rustling together in a quiet whisper that drifted toward us. I had recently learned of nettles' healing properties, and it was with equal parts respect and curiosity that I approached the mass of stinging plants. Sidney, it seemed, knew what I was thinking, and suggested we harvested some there and then. I was impressed by his hubris as he bent and picked a single leaf with nothing more than his bare hands. But in a moment, I recognized it was not hubris, but humility that allowed him to pluck the stinging leaves unharmed. There was a softness to his touch, to his entire demeanor, and he touched the plants as if communing with them. Each caress of his long, deft fingers was akin to stroking the cheek of a lover, and I tried to follow his example, approaching my first leaf, with trembling nervousness. The plant, it seemed, picked up on my tension and responded with a soft sting upon my fingertip. I tried again, another leaf, with hushed respect. But again, I was met only with the spreading warmth of pain. And after several more similar attempts, I gave up, and allowed Sydney to harvest enough for the both of us. Despite my glowing fingers, I was happy to have witnessed that moment, and would remember Sydney's approach the next time I encountered some nettles. I had much to learn, that was clear, and no lesson, it seemed, ever came without sacrifice. In the clearing, The sun beat down upon us, and we sought, once more, the shade of a copse growing nearby. Content with our private grove, we propped our bikes against a couple of straggling trees, and Sidney produced the stringed instrument that had hung around his back this whole time. I'd never seen anything quite like it before, reminiscent of a guitar, It was closer to the size of a ukulele, though its form was elongated with sloping, pointed wings where the neck met the body. It was an elegant, mystical-looking instrument, made all the more so by its name. A merlin, Sidney called it, and as he picked the beginnings of a tune, I understood why. Each of the five strings was harmonized to each of the others, and the effect was ethereal. A dulcet tune issued from the instrument as Sidney's long, lithe fingers danced skillfully along it. Its timbre called to mind the delicate voice of a lute, a soft twang ringing out after each note, hanging in the air before being swept up by the next. I closed my eyes, letting the tune wash over me, floating on the light breeze that sent the warmth of the sunshine frolicking through our shaded copse. Like a sharp, clear voice, the merlin's sound called out through our forested surroundings, mingling with the voices of the birds that flitted to and fro above us. In the depths of my reverie, I felt myself succumb to the music, felt my fingers twitching with the movement of the melody, bewitched as they were becoming with the enchantment of each ringing note. With small, almost imperceptible waves, my weight began to shift from one foot to the other, my body swaying more and more with each beat. My fingers began to curl, undulating in time, letting the melody ripple and roll through my body, until my arms were lifted to the sky. My feet were caressing the earth. My chest was open with deep, full breaths. I drew in, tasting the sweet, summer air. Sidney played on and on, lost in his own hypnotic trance, mesmerized like I was with the sound that emanated from his fingertips. Through my dancing, I watched him, a vision there against the backdrop of the Folk's Park woods, his dreads spilling over his shoulders, a loosely hanging collared shirt clinging gracefully to his skin, His ringed fingers moving fluidly over the Merlin. Adorned, as always, with trinkets and jewels, he was a sight to behold. When his fingers strummed their last chord, I too came to a halt, and we stood there, smiling at each other, breathing in the summer air, and enjoying the company of the plants and trees. That had been privy to our reverie. And then, to complete what had already been such a perfect summer's day, Sydney suggested we indulge in some ice cream, and we hopped upon our bikes joyfully in search of just that. The sticky sweetness of my chocolate treat reminded me of many summer days like that one, harking back to my childhood. And leaving a sugary trail throughout the course of my life. It was such a simple pleasure, but a poignant one, and I was glad to be sharing that moment with a new friend. With our bellies sated and our lips sweet, we rode once more through the streets of Berlin, that magical city that came to life in the summertime sparkling with all the possibilities one could imagine. South we traveled, dodging and zigzagging our way toward one of my favorite places in the world, the Turkish markets at Maybahufa. This place was a cornucopia of sights, sounds, and smells. Every stall was piled high with colorful fruits, or fragrant spices, delicate crafts, or lush fabrics. It was positively buzzing with energy, and as we pulled our bikes up beside a flower stall, an enormous smile had already spread across my face. I adored this place, adored the pulsing rhythm of the crowd and the sound of stallholders yelling out the merits of their various wares, I loved the bustle of trying to catch a glimpse at a particular pretty dress through the throng of visitors, or waiting in line for a taste of the ever-popular Guzlim that seemed to cover the market in the rich scent of fried bread. For now, though, Sydney and I stuck to the outskirts, perusing the less crowded fruit stalls that always seemed to have the best deals. Soon, we were joined by another festival friend, and I greeted Polly with a warm hug, elated to see his kind face again. His bouncing curly locks and full beard framed a welcoming smile, and I felt, for perhaps the first time since moving to Berlin, that I had found my people. We wandered to and fro, Drawn after a short while to the pier upon which many of the city's hippie population would gather on a Sunday. And that day, the turnout did not disappoint. A throng of intricately adorned Bohemians stood and sat around a musician belting out some reggae tune for the crowd's entertainment. Amid the audience, some were rapped, others sang along, while others still enjoyed their own conversations, allowing the music to drift around them as a background soundtrack to their chatterings. It was a heartwarming sight, and we lingered a little, snacking on the fruit we had bought along our wandering path. Soon, though, we longed for a quieter spot and continued our journey past the makeshift stalls merely a blanket laid out on the ground in most cases, that signaled the end of the market proper. Beyond were simply the cool, shaded streets and the bank of the canal that made the place so beautiful in the summer. As we crossed a quaint little bridge, we spied on the opposite bank, an empty bench, and made our way there to retire for a while. Alighting there, Polly and I chatted, while Sidney, once again, pulled out his Merlin and began to serenade us with a lilting tune. Soon our conversation was paused, and Polly and I joined in the harmony. Our voices lifted high into the air to float across the canal and land among the swans that floated by. Low and melodic, or high and playful, the three of us jammed out a little impromptu concert for nobody but ourselves. It was a moment of pure magic. Three human voices and the strum of a dulcet instrument melding together into an incantation of sorts. On and on we drifted, Our voices climbing over each other, dancing together, now droning, now frolicking, now humming in harmony and imbuing us with their charm. And then, in a magical moment that only comes from mutual trust, we finished our song in unplanned unison and sat in stunned silence for a moment before bursting into laughter. It was a pure and perfect shared experience, and the three of us linked arms in a show of solidarity, the sudden serenade binding us together in open-heartedness, love exuding from each one. That was Serenading the Nettles, written by the one and only Jazz Meyer. It's so nice to read a story that's full of people who I know and love. Jazz describes Sydney and Polly so perfectly. Each one of them is such an incredible human being and such an incredible sight to behold. They each have a fashion sense completely their own and they carry themselves with that confidence, that certainty of people who aren't afraid to be who they are. And the combination makes them absolutely irresistible to look at when you see them. And then you have the pleasure of meeting Sydney and Polly and you could not imagine gentler, kinder, more open souls In addition, jazz has truly captured the electric nature of a Berlin summer afternoon. These days, with sunlight from 4am to 10pm, all you need is a bicycle and a few friends, and you'll have no trouble of finding all sorts of adventures, all sorts of exciting places. There's an electricity everywhere you go, and people here in the summer are just so glad for the chance to be outdoors. That seems to be enough for most people, the chance to gather together with loved ones, sitting in the sunshine, usually on top of a picnic blanket, absolutely covered in fruits and vegetables and snacks purchased from local markets. There's always an instrument strumming or a boombox playing minimal techno, endless amounts of laughter. It's just a truly warm environment in which to spend an afternoon. Now, as we lie in the midst of winter, right in the heart of the winter, reading this story makes my heart yearn for those summer afternoons. And it reminds me that Part of the fun of living in a place with such extraordinary seasons such as Berlin is the anticipation of those beautiful seasons, the anticipation of all the moments that come with each one, the changes, the differences, the way you behave differently, the way you gather differently with your friends and the people you love. There's very little I look forward to as much as a good summer, in Berlin. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another episode of See You in Sleep County. If you're still awake, I hope you're feeling relaxed and ready for a night of sweet slumber. If you're not quite tired yet, you can always listen to another episode of See You in Sleep County, and hopefully by the end of the next episode, you'll be lost somewhere deep in the land of dreams. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash County, where your donations will get you lovely benefits, warm our hearts, and help us continue putting the time, energy, and love into this podcast that we know it deserves. And if you'd like to support us in a different way, you can share See You in Sleep County with your friends, your family, your loved ones. Let them know just how many beautiful stories are waiting here for them. If you'd like to see photos from these stories and see behind-the-scenes looks at how we make this podcast together, you can follow our Instagram page at, at seeyouinsleepcounty. And of course, you can feel free to send us a message, say hello, tell us what you think of the stories what you enjoyed about them, what you didn't enjoy about them, what you thought of our chat beforehand. You can tell us anything at all. It would be a delight to hear from our listeners. I want to thank you once again for joining us for another episode of See You in Sleep County. I hope you've enjoyed this little tale. I look forward to bringing you another one next week. I'm Blake Farha. And I want to wish you a good night, sweet dreams, and I'll see you in Sleep County.